oh, can this quiet minute just last? You know? You want to just book an hour in the podcast and then, like, just tell everybody we're podcasting, but you, like, lay down on the couch and just, like, meditate? Yes. Yes. I would probably be more of a nap at this point in time. Other times of year, maybe meditation, but right now, just flat nap. Just naps. Calling AJ. Hi, this is Caitlin. And this is Emily. And we're the co-founders of ATX Television Festival. Every June, we bring the best of TV to Austin, Texas for a -a one-of-a-kind, big-screen experience for the people who love TV with the people who make it. And you're listening to a special edition of the TV Campfire, an inside look at Season 8 of ATX TV Festival. Um, Well, this is a new thing for us to do. We're going to sit down and just sort of... Cappuccino, frothing the milk and all. Talk about the inside, outside. No more for me, thanks. I'm driving. <laughs> sort of behind the scenes making of, I don't know what phrase we're going to use, of the festival. So, Emily, you've said this. This came from you. It has all been adopted, and it's a it's a great phrase. Thanks. But you have said that when we are doing our programming and the representation at the festival and what we're trying to do in messaging and physical, all the things, uh, is representing what Hollywood should look like, not what Hollywood is or what Hollywood currently is. What do you mean by that? Well, I think, I mean, I'm feel like everyone's pretty aware that there's a huge movement right now to diversify what you see on screen and also what's happening behind the scenes. And we, I know we talk about this a lot, but feel very passionately about TV is a very powerful medium, maybe one of the most powerful because you are inviting people into your home, into your living room, some people into your beds, if you're watching TV (laughs) in bed, into just your daily normal life. And it really has an impact on you and what you're seeing really has an impact on just how you see the world and how you understand the world and how you understand people different than you. I do think in adding to that, what that actually means, if a show is being represented and it's a Q&A following a show, you are limited, for lack of a better word, to the people who made that show. Yes. But we do, we have very frank conversations with networks and studios where we say, this is, you know, for white men, or this is, you know, all of the same, whatever it happens to be. And let's look and say, does that mean we're including, we're going to talk about the music of this show and we're going to include the music supervisor. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to pluck somebody from obscurity, but we're going to shift that conversation to include that person and what they do on that show. But where we have some more ability and power within ourselves is our topical panels that are just about television is to make sure on our end that part that is it's not just about like seeing yourself it is that's the outcome what we want people to do but it's also in the what Hollywood should be not what Hollywood is is let's say 90% of directors of photography are men well we're going to make sure we find you know if there's four people on the panel two men two women yeah we're going to find two women because two women do do that job somewhere which means it's going to be a lot harder for us to find those people, but we want the representation to look 50-50, even if the representation is not 50-50 in that field. Yes. That's the what it is 
what it should be versus what it is. Part. And I and I think we all at the office feel so strongly about the fact of that is that is our influence that we can have mm-hmm. because I do think if you at least start putting out into the world and letting Hollywood know like. Yes, there are female directors of photography. We mm-hmm. found some. Look, you can yeah. go find some too. Then even just the press that comes out of it and the coverage that comes out of it. And we have a ton of industry members that come to the festival. If they can see that and start changing their minds yes. to think that way, we feel like that can cause real change. I mean, if you think about this year versus previous years, I think in a way that nobody's ever been against that movement. Yeah, It is sometimes I think... Within the office, we're a small team. At the time, I would even say there were, let's say there were three of us, a Yumi and Jen thing. I think a lot of times when we decided that we would internally debate, because you're trying to balance it probably at the basics between genders, races, and sexuality, I would say are the basic. I mean, that's it. There's many more. But in the basics, it can just be hard when you're doing all of these passes to be like, okay, you know, you want four to six people on a panel. Well, these are the two I really want. Okay, I've got those locked in. Okay, well, those two are both white. Okay, well, then I need to do this. Well, those two are both men. Well, now I need to do this. Like, And it's... Make your head spin. Mm-hmm. My ideal director that would be a non-white male director just in having like a balance of perspectives. But... But why when the other director that's on the panel is a non-white woman? Just because it's still top-heavy with white people. Like, it just, it just, there's two people of color on it out of six people, which is still yeah a third. Like, we, I feel like this conversation specifically, having it as diverse as possible, like, is really important. I don't disagree, and I like that you've got a very clear idea and planning for it. And I want to—I can't fight for more straight white people on panels. Like that's not—that's not the position I'm taking. But I do think the two men on it. If you've got somebody in an extreme place of power that actually has the ability to implement these things, one having them hear it, and two having hearing what their answers are to things is also important. Versus. I do think at times when you have these really important conversations and you have all minorities on it, mm-hmm. I want to hear what the straight white guy has to say for himself to a certain degree. If there is another director that we think would do fill in just as well as Tommy, then I'm all for it. Yeah, do you have, you say non-white, non-male. I don't right now. See, and that's what, that worries me a little bit. I know, but it is something that we... Uh, continue to fight for it until the last second. And then, of course, you get this beautifully diverse panel, and then someone has to drop out. Somebody misses a plane. I mean, the hope is that it's diverse enough that if one or two people drop out, you still have it. But then, you know, you have this panel, and then someone drops out, and then you're like, well, I tried. Not giving up, but just a... We have to, at the end of the day, feel that we've done everything that we can, Mm -hmm. and we do. And then you just let it go into the world and hope that it's still a great conversation. Yeah. So thinking about this podcast and its new iteration has been making me think a lot about season one and doing the TV campfire, which I think, I think we've talked about before. We, 
we wanted to do and it was smart to do, but I don't think we had a passion for doing right. that podcast until we were in it and getting, I think, one in a completely basic way, but makes all the sense in the world. You and I during the festival don't get more than maybe a 12-minute conversation with most people. And even in that 12-minute conversation, our heads are in a thousand yeah, different places. you are not present. It's, that's my main goal. I'm always like, be here, be here, be mm-hmm. here. And yet you are very aware of your surroundings. And so the great gift and surprise of last year was recording these conversations and getting to spend two or three hours yeah. with really two, most of two, one time three, but two people, a lot of people who've been to the festival before and we knew, but getting to have these really in-depth conversations with them or have just witnessed these conversations, I think, I mean, I'm going to guess that ours is similar Yes, in that the episode with Marta Kaufman and her daughter, Hannah Cantor, who is a producer, they both are making Grace and Frankie now and watching a mother and daughter have what felt like the first time they'd ever had a conversation about sort of, I mean, basically what like friends meant, Mm -hmm. like what Hannah's perception of friends was and her perception of her mother during that time. And I think at one point, Marta turned to her daughter and was like, I mean, like, were you proud? Like, what did you think? You know, it really did imprint on me. I was aware of the impact and the reach of the show. In terms of the, the world? In terms of In terms terms of the world, audience? but even just, you know, a studio audience being so stoked to be there and reacting super big every time, you know, you do a scene over and over and over again, and they're hysterically laughing every time. And I th- Were you impressed, or were you like, this I was, is just what life is? I was very impressed to the point that I really did not want to end up in TV because I was like, this is, it doesn't, you don't achieve higher than this. This is this is just about as good as it could ever be. And then just through like sequence of jobs, I ended up sort of circling the TV drain anyway. <laughs> sort of an irresistible pull. And let me just say about that. Mm-hmm. You kick butt. You kick butt. I I I have. I am so deeply impressed. And thank with... you, everybody, for tuning into the mother-daughter affirmation <laughs> hour. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's not just oh, being you. a mommy. It's true. You're awesome at what you do. And a very quick learner. Well, I had an opportunity to, you know, absorb and learn from the actual best. <laughs> Aw. I think the difference between that episode and the other episodes, because they were all phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, us sitting down, as you said, for a few hours with these people and being able to actually have these conversations and ask the questions that we want to ask. I mean, that's really what it is. These are the questions we actually want to ask these people if we were sitting down over drinks and wanting to talk about, yeah, talk about TV and their experiences and their careers and learn from them. Yeah. I think that was, we afterwards talked about like why, because we felt it. It felt magical. I agree. I knew in the moment it was special and different. And afterwards we were like, why? Like we were trying to figure it out. And I think for us particularly and probably for other people, but like Friends was maybe even, I mean, it's a seminal show 
for many, many people, mm-hmm. is one of the biggest shows of all times. It is giant. It was particularly giant for us. Yep. We are of the age that it was on, and we experienced it live and experienced it afterwards and all of those things and quote it all of the time. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a seminal show to us and yep. to the world. And so there's this person here who created it with a very big group of people (laughs) and like a very collaborative way was seminal to that like keep using that word but and then to be able to not only talk about that show but this current show that they're doing together and like Hannah's memories as a 10 or 11 year old on set and her memories Mm -hmm. are you know crafty and very kid-like things and then obviously knowing what it would be and that after all of that time that they're now working together on this new show that they both love doing. And Marta was like, not just mom proud, was like so impressed with her daughter. And I'm like getting chills now thinking about (laughs) it. Like truly, it was just, I don't know, we're both very close to our moms too. Like I think there was just a bunch of stuff in that room. We definitely choose to focus on shows that are important. Like your like Queer's Folk was like a big one yeah. for you to put together and have that reunion and include the creators who never got to go to any of these like fan conventions before. And that show was just like monumentally important. But these topical panels that are not fully consumer and are not fully industry, it's not a conference, it's not a convention, I think is what we do very uniquely. And in the beginning of the festival, like year one where nothing was recorded. <laughs> um, everything was very basic. It was mm-hmm. show running. <laughs> what is that? You know, writing for television. Casting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now it's like this year's casting anthologies and is writing about mental health. So last year was the first year we did our foundation's advocacy through storytelling. The syndication project is advocacy through storytelling. We did a track and did a panel on representation of abortion on TV. We really wanted to have this conversation about reproductive rights and the women's rights. And we had like four or five people confirmed. And at the end of the day, Rena Mamoon and Mauricio Moda were the only two that were left. Very diverse panel, if you really think about it. And they are excellent. And they were excellent. So actually, if you listen to that panel, which we did release as a TV campfire, it's a great conversation. Absolutely. It's just that it's two people and Kate, Langrophobe from Hollywood Health and Society. So in theory, three people that are very knowledgeable on the subject, but it was supposed to be five or six. And so I think it was just hard. It's sometimes just hard when you do basically decide to do these things and then they fall apart. I think we've also, for example, we're doing mental health this year. We tried for it last year and pulled it Mm -hmm. because we don't want to do things if they're not going to be done well enough. So I'm actually really excited for mental health this year to finally come to fruition. I think the immigration one last year was really impactful, Mm -hmm. really powerful, even from because we always do audience Mm Q&As at the end. So it's about two-thirds a moderated conversation and then the audience asks questions. And there were a couple of questions people that from these creators had seen themselves for the first time. We start to realize how impactful TV is when you have someone who can get up to a microphone and say, hey, one day at a time, Gloria, I finally saw myself in Penelope, and then everyone in the room starts crying. I want to thank you all for the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I just, I wish that when I, was in high, when I was in high school that I had had these stories, and they just did, they didn't exist. 
right? And so I was undocumented and I felt like, gosh, is there anyone else who's going through this? And the power, like your ability to reach people who are directly impacted, but also your ability to share with people who are not and to shape the way that they're viewing the world and understanding the issue and the coverage is incredible. So thank you for changing the world. Um, thank you for being champions. And I think that maybe there are a lot of people in this room who will be looking to you and the success and the path that you've laid, right? <laughs> like you're building the bench. No you're, pressure. You're, you're, building, you're, you're building the bench and we need more people to build the bench for others in the room. Uh, <laughs> I want to... Um, <laughs> It's heartbreaking and beautiful and some of my favorite moments. Yeah. The There's a lot of crying at the festival. But it is because you also don't realize what goes into these storylines and uh, how true to life some of them are. Because you sometimes mm -hmm. you feel like you're watching a fictionalized show and you're like, oh, that's not really what people go through. And even though it is a fictionalized account and sometimes it's a little dramatized, it still yeah. comes from a real place. I think one of the ones I remember being proud of and it was more in the presentation of it than what it was because I don't think it was all that groundbreaking but it was like your I feel like it was your th three or four we did a panel that was just called the directors mm -hmm. and we put five I think it was five female directors we didn't call them women directors we didn't call them female directors it was just a panel on t directing television but we actively decided in that case like yeah. the statement we were going to make was put and they were comedy and drama and they were long term new like I remember that Betty Thomas, who's on our advisory board, uh, who was an actor that turned to be a director, is now part of the our VP of the DGA and, you know, very high ranking director was on it. And it was she was also, spoiler alert, was my first boss. And so, like, I had this sentimentality to get her to the festival in that capacity and then build this panel of all really badass women. Yeah. But then didn't say that in the description or the title. Like. That was cool for it to yeah. me. And of course it comes up in conversation, sure. but it was still, that was pretty awesome. Every year, the festival, we try to keep many of the elements the same because we want it to be familiar and we want people to know what they're coming to and really build on that community. I love to add flair, as we all know, mm -hmm. but really build on what the festival is each year. But is there anything this year that we're really changing up or doing differently that people that usually come should be aware of? I think you're right. We try to just sort of build out things that we've done in the past. But so the thing that I think is a little different this year, although it will still feel very much the same, <laughs> but in a good way, is our Badge Holder Lounge, which the last few years has been presented by Hulu. And this year we decided we wanted to give it a try to break it out and program it ourselves versus giving it to one brand to program for four days. So we are programming uh, both conversations and then working with those endemic partners <laughs> to host, you know, breakfasts or happy hours or late night parties. So you don't, you won't just see, you know, only Hulu programming or only Netflix programming throughout the weekend, you'll see Epics and Nat Geo and Paramount Network is doing a thing with Yellowstone. And then we'll have podcast recordings and we're working on potentially even like fireside chat programming, sort of like panel programming in that space. And 
happy hour menus. So you can go in there and get a drink and Fiji water will be in there all weekend. So when you're, you know, dehydrated, you can go in there, but it will feel a <laughs> no, bit. You don't get dehydrated. No, it's just ever. how you stay hydrated. That's Correct. the number one rule from Correct. Laura, our director of operations. No dehydration. Mm-hmm. And it will feel more like ATX's lounge and not another brand's lounge, which I think is cool. Which I just think is fun. I mean, we're yeah. working on some little flair to go in there just mm-hmm. for when people need to sit and Take a bit of a break, have a drink, have a bite. And we want to do this year, whether it's like fully official presented or just encouraged for people to go to, is we had got word last year through like surveys and things that, you know, festival programming ends at 3 p.m. And on Sunday. On Sunday. Festival programming ends 3 p.m. on Sunday. In the past has always been like, and now we're done. Bye. Have a great day. Go to the airport. What's happening? <laughs> and this time, at whatever time you're done, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, encouraging people to come back to the lounge and kind of have it be the festival finale where you can talk about your whole weekend and meet up with people that you knew before or just met that weekend and wait for your your flight, you may be leaving on Monday, but like have it be like a moment to close out the festival. And I think it's going to be casual and like laid back, but just give people a place to go. So it's not like you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Like, <laughs> And I think we're always looking for ways to for attendees to all come together. Yeah. I mean, we obviously love for people to go to as much general programming as possible, but in the off times, whether it's just hanging out in the lounge or having a drink before you go, we always do a trivia night on oh. Thursday night, which is really fun. TV trivia, packed house, and the ballroom of the Stephen F. Austin. And then this year on Saturday night, we're having a TV karaoke party, which will be Kind of like trivia night, but for general attendees on Saturday night. And yes, there will be TV themed. I was going to say theme songs. Theme songs, karaoke. But it's more of a party feel and a, not like a dance party feel, but a hangout. They'll have like bingo and trivia and that sort of thing. And then people singing TV theme songs. So even if you don't like to sing, you can still go and be part of it and do group sings. I mean, Mm -hmm. people love a good group sing. And if you watch TV, you're going to know all these songs. So I think that that's really fun to add something else to do after our closing night screening. Yeah. So it is 28 days until the festival. Yesterday was May. Was yesterday May 6th? Nope. Nope. Damn it. Today's (laughs) Wednesday. Yes. Okay. On Monday when it was May 6th. It was a month dates wise, like we are on June 6th. And I that felt like a very significant. We did a, a social one month out thing. Yes. So that had a lot of weight for it to me. Today is May 8th and it's 28 days until the festival is four weeks, basically. Yeah. Four weeks from right now, mm-hmm. we will be, registration will be open. Yeah, it would have opened a few hours ago. Yes. Correct yeah. information. I may be having a drink already. <laughs> if I picture myself there, I'll be setting up the green room. That's my favorite thing to do. I know. I know. I have no idea. There's going to be so be. much great stuff in there this year. It's going to be Fiji water and Siete chips and Joe's coffee and Lone Star beer and Yeti coolers. It's going to be so pretty. And all the candy you buy off of Amazon. Yeah, I'm going to be living in there. It'd be nice if we got a candy sponsor. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Candy sponsor to join our popcorn. This special edition of the TV Campfire was produced by Caitlin McFarland, Emily Gibson, AJ Myers, and our audio partners, Five Ohm Productions. 
Visit them at 5ohm.com if you are in need of the people, expertise, and equipment that can turn your project or event into a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Go to atxfestival.com for details on this and our other audio projects. Be sure to follow our journey on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ATX Festival and subscribe to our newsletter and this podcast for up-to-date details on what's happening next. I want to do, it's why we're trying to produce content and make a podcast and diversify is... And having music play over a moment is so much more powerful than hearing... So you're only really Cuban if you come from a certain part of the world? It's Come crazy. on, people. It, it becomes bigger than... This sounds like Paris so vague. It becomes bigger than the one thing.